from the dark web to your radio dial. You are listening to CyberTalk Radio on News 1200 WOAI. Welcome to CyberTalk Radio. I'm your host, Brett Pyatt, a 20-year internet security veteran. And I'm joined this week by Iris Gonzalez, the founder of Startup San Antonio. If you have not heard of Startup San Antonio yet, she's going to talk all about it on the program with us. Uh, You can check out their website there. As we we get going here to kick off the program, one of the things that uh, she's put together over the last year, has it been a year now with Startup San Antonio? She's nodding at me. You can't see her nodding, but she is nodding here in the studio. Uh, In this last year, she's been working on surveying the startup landscape and put a, a San Antonio startup book together that's coming out. Uh, so check out the website, startupsanantonio.com, and you will be able to order your copy of the book here. If it's uh, not quite uh, done at the printer by the time we're on the air here, you'll be still can pre-order and it will get shipped out to you somewhere in the first port- portion of this year. Uh, on the program today, we're going to talk uh, all about the uh, latest tech trends going on. Uh, CES just wrapped up. Uh, Davos, a big global economic summit, and they even talk about cybersecurity there now. And then we're also going to tie this back into uh, what's going on here in San Antonio uh, with our startups, and maybe we'll hint at some of those uh, that are going to be covered in that book coming out this year. So thanks for having me on the show. I appreciate it. In 2018, you decided to start up a a new business, a journalism business, which is uh, a publishing business. This is not something that most folks are doing in 2018, uh, where that's been a hard market. Well, as it turns out, uh, hyper-local publishing is an increasing trend. I bet you're surprised to hear that, aren't you? Yes. So I'm going to learn something here on the program along with all of our (laughs) listeners. So anyway, thanks for having me on the show. I appreciate it. Uh, This is always a great time of year to talk about tech and what's going on, precisely because we just had the Consumer Electronics Show in January. Uh, We also just finished having the World Economic Forum in late January. But uh, it turns out that this week, uh, I'm celebrating the first anniversary of StartupSanAntonio.com. I launched it a year ago uh, out of a passion for telling stories about San Antonio's innovation. So you're surprised to hear that, you know, new digital media company is here in San Antonio. Well, it's an increasing trend because most of the news you're reading now is a conglomeration of national news. What does that do for the local reader? The local reader is still hungry and uh, looking for that kind of content that talks about the things that are important in your community. And that's really what drove me to start Startup San Antonio. I love telling stories about tech, cyber, bioscience innovation, and I thought we really need like a focus platform for that. And people get to read not only the who, what, when, and where, But more importantly, they get to hear about the why. Why are these companies doing this? Why is this founder so passionate about trying to do something new that's really hard to do and doing it for the first time? So hopefully these stories resonate with readers because it's not only about a company or a founder that you know locally, but they're doing something that's going to change not only the lives of people here in San Antonio, but everyone's lives. And so that's the driving passion for founding StartupSanAntonio.com. Yeah, and the the national startup press as well is very crowded out. If you're not in the San Francisco Bay Area, um, Boston, maybe New York, it's it's hard to get coverage with uh, those national startup publications. So uh, similarly, I guess, with just business and all the rest of the news going on, um, if you're in the middle of America, 
getting anyone on either coast to pay attention has been pretty challenging. Well, and so think about it. So people say, well, why do you focus on startups? So I focus on startups, companies that are 10 years or younger, because you're talking about a new company, typically small, that's trying to do something that's never been done before. When you look at business coverage, they're focused on the who, what, when, where, and usually there's a dollar sign attached. You know, there's an acquisition, there's an exit, there's a CEO change, something that's going to affect the bottom line. Makes perfect sense. Same thing for major journalism outlets. They focus on that because that's their angle. The reason why I saw a need for this is because I saw that these companies uh, were not getting like a full profile so that the reader or an interested investor, as it turns out, could read the story and get an understanding of, oh, here's this company in San Antonio that's trying to do something that has never been attempted before. And it looks like they have a good chance of, of being successful at it. We have so many companies that fall into that category that that's really what drove me to launch Startup San Antonio. I saw that crying need for that local, targeted, niche publication. Yeah, and it's been a, a solid year of growth. By the time your listeners are um, hearing this episode, it'll be a little over 175 stories that I've done in the first year, so that's about an average of three every single week. Yeah. You cover a lot of ground, and I can tell you right now, 2019 is going to be gangbusters for San Antonio. And that, that may be more stories about startups than our major local newspaper wrote in all of 2018. Well, and it's stories not only about startups in particular, but then there'll be developments about the ecosystem that is of interest to innovators. So it'll be things like about a successful collaboration that got funding, or uh, a couple of weeks ago I wrote about uh, Will Garrett being hired as the new vice president for cybersecurity development at the port. That's not a startup story, but that's very relevant because it's talking about the larger forces uh, that are acting upon our growth here in San Antonio. What does that mean? Yeah, no, we've we've had some folks from the port on the program. If you want to learn more about what's going on out at Port San Antonio, check our archives out at www.cybertalkradio.com or on any of podcasting service out there. If uh, you have a favorite podcasting service where you cannot find our program and that uh, archive of shows, uh, let us know on Facebook or Twitter. We will fix that and we will get you a CyberTalk Radio T-shirt. Uh, yeah, and I, I think there's some startups out at the port. There's a startup museum out there as well. Parents, if you uh, want your kids to get exposed to uh, technology, uh, look up the San Antonio Museum of Science and Technology out at Port San Antonio. It is free, um, and there's amazing stuff out there all the way from uh, Tesla coils back to uh, some of the first original Edison light bulbs. Uh, and this goes through a, a whole story um, about San Antonio and the fact that um, the first uh, personal computer was actually made here uh, not on the east coast or the west coast so uh, go out there check it out and uh, learn more about what's going on out there uh, at port san antonio there are a few startups out there but most of the startups out there have names like dgs inc or something else that and they have a website that has their name and address on it and that's it because they're a startup servicing uh, the military or other folks out on that side of town you don't really get to write about them no, very much do you no well but i do i do have some startups that are at Port San Antonio that are in the book. So do you want to talk about the big trends? And sure. then we can talk about how you're seeing them here in San Antonio, because I think that's really exciting. Yeah, so let's uh, go. You've followed CES, I'm certain, much more closely than I did this year. Uh, so what, what are kind of your top three takeaways out of uh, the Con Consumer Electronics Show? I would say the top three are all going to be the same word, 
artificial intelligence. Everyone was very bullish on it. Artificial intelligence, everything that's associated with it to make that work. So that's machine learning, that's big data analytics, and that's data science and data scientists. So if you're interested in joining one of the most rapidly growing career fields along with cybersecurity, you know, CodeUp just started their first cohort for um, a data scientist training program. And I will tell you, everyone out of CES was saying artificial intelligence is big. And that was the same conclusion that came out of Davos. All of the CEOs were talking about uh, how artificial intelligence is going to change the landscape of uh, businesses. And they're all in a mad rush to automation. So when you say automation, not only you're talking artificial intelligence, you're talking about the second big trend, which is robotics. Their CEOs are thinking about that. Publicly, they say, well, it's because it's going to you know, transform your life and we're going to bring higher levels of innovation to, your, uh, to every aspect of your life. Privately, and th I saw this in reporting from Davos, it's because they are looking to streamline their workforce. Uh, you know, and if you look at statistics, a lot of them kind of echo the same thing that uh, over the next 15 years, 40% of the jobs will disappear due yeah. to uh, robotics and AI. And a whole bunch of new ones will get created. I mean, so That's if, you're, if you're out there and listening, uh, don't panic on this. Uh, if you, you go back, we went from an agrarian economy where uh, in the late 1800s uh, still we had the majority of our workforce working in farming. Uh, today, less than 3% of our workforce works uh, in farming. We produce more food than ever uh, and more efficiently. And uh, it, just because that whole workforce turned over, then we, we had the Industrial Revolution. And, and over the last 100 years, uh, folks have worked in manufacturing. This next era um, is going to be the creative revolution. I don't know what exactly we're going to call it, but um, AI is, is not going to sneak up and uh, take over human ingenuity or creativity very soon. Uh, we've um, done some other programs um, diving more specifically into AI uh, but the the short version of this is the AI coming out that's going to be industrialized over the next 20 or 30 years will be narrow AI it's going to the artificial intelligent machine is going to know how to do a specific task very well but it's not going to understand context and creativity um, like the uh, Watson on Jeopardy can answer trivia questions, but it doesn't know why the answer is what the answer is. It just knows it can search through and figure out the answer. Same thing with the the chess playing AI. It can learn chess, but if you sat it down and gave it an instruction book of here's the instructions for checkers, the AI can't that AI can't learn how to play checkers. It was trained specifically to learn how to play chess. So. Uh, we're going to see a, a whole wide-ranging new series of jobs, and I think this is the data science piece is coming in here, the human ingenuity and creativity in analyzing that data and finding interesting things that unlock value is going to be a, a big boom for the, the next uh, wave of employment and, and things that we haven't even thought about right now uh, folks will be doing as a, a job every day. And that's an excellent point that you bring up, because when you think about what the big trends are for 2019, we've talked about AI and everything that goes with it. We've talked about robotics, because that's going to enable the, the smart robots, you know, robots with AI for automation. The Terminator. Right. Well, okay, let's not get so doom and gloom quite yet. <laughs> and because uh, it is, you know, it's nighttime. It's, yes. Yeah. Um, but then the third one is, you alluded to it, is, you know, we're in the middle of the fourth industrial revolution. So if you think about the first one, that was steam. Second one, electricity. 
Third one, you know, the introduction of computing uh, back starting with 1969. And now we're in the midst of the fourth industrial revolution, which is that unique collaboration of different expertise, different disciplines coming together to join and create something brand new. And we're seeing a lot of that in San Antonio. So I think we're uniquely positioned to be um, a thought leader in that space even though we're a young ecosystem, because San Antonio is a unique city. We possess um, expertise and capabilities that package together as a location. Most cities, in fact, I can't think of any city that can really replicate what we have between the military um, expertise that we have here, both in cybersecurity and in the medical field, uh, coupled with the scientific expertise, coupled with uh, you know, we have advanced manufacturing with robotics. Did you know our robotics expertise and uh, community is ma- orders of magnitude larger than Austin? Uh, yeah, that uh, does not surprise me thinking about, uh, I mean, it probably surprises most of our listening audience. Yeah. But, um, Hundreds, whether in Austin, it's about 70, it's less than 100. Yeah. Here in San Antonio, we have several hundred that are just working at SWERI at the Southwest Research Institute, for example. Yeah, uh, we have robotic te- technicians that are working at Toyota and other large companies like yeah, that. Boeing that has all sorts of stuff going on at here. At the port, exactly. Advanced avionics and aviation, man- advanced manufacturing, a lot of robotics. And then we have our startups that, yeah. that I've written about. Yeah, I mean, I can think of a yeah, handful of those uh, just off the top of my head. But go check out StartupSanAntonio.com, the website. Put in the search box, Robotics, and um, you'll come up with uh, some articles there where Iris has uh, profiled and, and written about some of the things going on at some of our, our interesting. Uh, we've had some folks on the program as well, like uh, Reckon Point, where they've got a robot that does a uh, high detailed indoor mapping uh, and uh, we had Gabe Garza the CEO there on talking about how they uh, set that up and built it out and uh, this is some of the the military technology coming to the the private sector right uh, and, and, then, and uh, that's an interesting one where we're at the the epicenter of a lot of the commercialization of those things here in San Antonio and so you mentioned record point they're a perfect example of a startup that is uh, in the middle of that fourth industrial revolution. Not only are they combining, you know, navigation with, uh, you know, GPS technologies and robotics, they're now rolling out a new capability. And they're uh, developing navigation analytics. So if you think about indoor mapping of choke points, where do people congregate? Where do people linger? Where do people take the longest time to get in and out of a space? Not only from a safety and security standpoint is that information incredibly useful, but for retailers, it's a very, um, really powerful set of insights that they could use to say, oh, so they're lingering at this spot. Let's see. Oh, now we see why they're lingering here. Let's leverage that information so that we can make them linger longer and perhaps come into the store to buy something, just to give you an example. So you're starting to see combination of expertise where you're coming up with something, a new emerging capability. So uh, following along at CES, uh, Mm -hmm. Consumer Electronics Show, and there everyone's talking about ai robots and all these things and like in your home right now you've got roomba like if roomba was cybersecurity compromised and and went hostile like i mean i guess it can run around and like knock you in the ankle a little bit or something but it can't really do things and i've always seen that until something really bad happens um 
it's hard to get folks to engineer security and controls into a system until they've actually seen the the bad drawbacks of not having it. I mean, and this just doesn't apply just to cybersecurity systems. But everything that's everything, connected yeah. to the internet, everything. No, but I mean, even go back to automobiles. Like the, the first Model T didn't have a seatbelt. I mean, and if you ran into something, you ran into something. And eventually we got up to the, it took 50 years to get a lap belt in the car where you had, a, but shoulder harnesses didn't come in into what, the 1970s really? Um, and airbags not until the 1980s, 90s, or whatever. So, I mean, the automobiles are around for almost 100 years before we really have gotten to one where now they're reasonably safe. Uh, but, I mean, we still have big problems in those systems. Uh, people die on the road out there every day, and there's not a call to engineer further safety systems into these cars or a legal mandate or a public policy or a city or local laws. I mean, they change speed limits around and try to do different things to make cars safer. But on this cybersecurity side of things, like I'm I'm a little concerned as a, a, as a futurist cybersecurity technologist that we're going to build these bunch of these robots. And, I mean, even if you, you got to, like, Rosie the Robots from the Jetsons, if Rosie was in the house and got compromised by hackers, lots of bad things could happen before you could shut all the Rosies down. It's, I remember as a kid, they would like every once in a while she got hacked on the show and they would run around and like pull her little battery chip out of the back of her head. But like, where are, are, is anyone even talking about the cybersecurity risks of, of these robots and systems or just all about the great productivity it's going to bring? So you bring up um, a wonderful opportunity that Port San Antonio has realized, and that's why they're uh, so adamant about the need for creating an innovation hub. So they're in the process of uh, the planification of this new innovation campus. Uh, at the heart of that campus will be lots of different facilities, but SAMSAT, the San Antonio Museum of Science and Technology, will be there to provide that educational spark to get uh, local youth interested in STEM careers. They're also going to have a facility where you can have industry partners working alongside local startups to come up with solutions to address these glaring cybersecurity um, gaps. Because anything that connects to the internet is going to be hackable. Yeah. I don't care oh, it, it how already safe is you think hackable. it is. It is, yeah. it is. And it's just a question of time. So. Uh, in full recognition of that, w with innovation comes the need to address these risks. So anytime that you have anything uh, collecting data, sending yeah. data, it's going to be vulnerable. Yeah. So look for, that's one of the things I'm really excited to see emerge over the next couple of years in San Antonio is that innovation hub as it takes shape uh, at Port San Antonio. And that was, I think, one of the driving reasons why Will Garrett was hired on to be their uh, new vice president for cybersecurity development. Yeah, we've got the UTSA um, setting up a National Cybersecurity Collaboration Center here in downtown that's getting built along with their School of Data Science. Mm -hmm. uh, that uh, We'll give a, a shout-out. Thank you, Graham Weston, for um, donating uh, $15 million, I think the largest single gift in the history of UTSA, um, to uh, help fund the creation of that school school of data science uh, over there and then yeah you've got velocity texas they broke ground over on the east side of san antonio on another um, startup kind of manufacturing engineering um, that combination of hardware and software uh, here in san antonio so i'm we're doing a lot in all of these intersections but as i i go outside i mean of san antonio is anyone else paying attention to this stuff yet well, that's the whole reason why. <laughs> so, yeah, so you're you're publishing every week at Startup San Antonio. I'm on the radio talking about some of this stuff, and I mean, we've had other guests on. I mean, that um, the 
inflow national security um angel crockett the ceo there came on and talked about um, some news articles she'd read about drones being weaponized down in mexico she can't really talk about exactly what her company does during a day job but i mean so there's i know there's lots of folks here in san antonio focused on some of these these problems um but my listening audience is not big enough to get this all the way out to uh all across the country so we get startups doing this uh, elsewhere yet i'd like the listening audience to be that big we are on iheart streaming so you could be uh, i don't know listening to us from fiji if you wanted well hopefully you're listening and deciding i think i need to start following the you know dedicated weekly coverage uh and perhaps get a copy of the book later in the year i'll have a, a digital version available on the website as well and that's because i've had requests already even though the book um, is not quite out yet. It will be soon. Uh, I've already had people in Boston, for example, in the medical field wanting to, uh, especially in the uh, investing space, wanting to read about the bioscience and healthcare innovations here in San Antonio. There's, there's a lot going on, let me tell you. And then, um, you know, one thing that we didn't talk about, and I'd like to touch about a little bit, um, AR and VR. So you remember a couple of years ago, CES, that was the big big thing and you know merge vr won the most um unique toy yeah with the AR, with the cube with the cube so just that was a couple of years ago so now when you talk about ar vr it's not so much new consumer toys because there's still you know limitations uh it's more about how you take that capability and you marry it to something new and different and create something that hasn't been created before we're seeing a lot of it in training and um, especially in simulation and in fact um, about a couple of weeks ago in San Antonio the um, international um, healthcare conference was in San Antonio for about five days talking about all of the different emerging uh, AR enabled simulation training that's a really big trend that I think we're going to see. And we have some work that's being done here in San Antonio, both in medical as well as in cybersecurity. So I think you've had on your show uh, Ractive, Jonathan Perry. Yes, we have. And, and so he's done some cybersecurity training with uh, DCI in, uh, Industries and Red Cell at uh, Port San Antonio to do AR-enabled cybersecurity training. First time that's ever been done. Yeah, here and, in San Antonio, and, and Merge is now really um, seeing their products used in K through 12, a little bit up into the the college level, but um, in the classroom, getting into that immersive learning versus uh, asking kids just to sit down and read in a book or look at a flat image on a right. screen uh, can really change the uh, level of absorption uh, and retention for for those kids um, and the just engagement in the learning experience. So. Yeah, I mean, I think that AR and VR is going to be interesting there from a, a cybersecurity uh, angle on that. I, I, I worry a little bit about um, getting subliminal hidden messages. The hackers get in there, and then if they know that this is content that's being delivered to kids, um, it's kind of the, the stuff that we used to, to joke about back in the, the movies where every 20th frame would be a, a flashing of a drink Coke, and you didn't really see it, but... For some reason, halfway through the movie, you're like, I need a Coke. Now, I don't think the movie theaters ever really did that, but and this was uh, maybe they did and, and, and maybe not. Um, maybe an urban legend out there. But that sort of thing is where there are going to be compromises around this augmented and, and virtual uh, learning where 
folks get in there, and how do you verify that this stuff hasn't been tampered with? I mean, with a physical printed book, if you're using that to teach your kids, pretty easy to know it's not been tampered with. You can read the words in there, but uh, it, it's going to create some some interesting challenges over the next 20 years as, as technology proliferates the classroom uh, even more. Well, I think cybersecurity professionals have a very solid pathway to, uh, you know, job security in the future. You're listening to 1200 WAI. This is CyberTalk Radio, and uh, we're going to take a break here at the bottom of the hour for a news, traffic, and weather update. Uh, when I get back from that break with Iris uh, from Startup San Antonio, we will uh, dive into some of the unique things that she's uh, learning about and writing about that San Antonio startups are working on, uh, including uh, crazy new things being 3D printed out of folks' garages that might be the next breakthrough in medical devices. Uh, So stick with us here through that bottom-of-the-hour break, and we will be right back. Welcome back to CyberTalk Radio. I'm your host, Brett Pyatt, a 20-year Internet security veteran. If you uh, just turned your radio on right now, uh, you'll not know that I'm joined this week by Iris Gonzalez, the founder of StartupSanAntonio.com. It's an online publication uh, all about startups here in San Antonio and everything going on in our ecosystem. If you are a startup or if you know some uh, folks that work in there and have not been uh, written about, covered, or uh, have not shared your story yet, Reach out to her on the website there, and uh, she will have conversations with you to see uh, if and where you're, you're ready and, and what sort of interesting uh, things that are, could be covered about your company. If you are also in the ecosystem and you're wondering, man, who should I contact about this or that? Didn't you put out a map, Iris? Yes. So if you look on StartupSanAntonio.com, you're going to see two pages that will be of interest. If you're in San Antonio and trying to get a good understanding of everybody that's doing anything here when it comes to innovation and startups. Uh, The first page is the ecosystem map. And that's what I did. In fact, I think it's the second iteration of trying to get all of the resources and programs that are available in San Antonio from if you're a student and you're interested in learning about entrepreneurship all the way to uh, funding sources, uh, angel investing, Get, you know, accelerated programs, it's all depicted in a graph uh, that kind of maps out the community here. Yeah. So you can look at the ecosystem map and kind of get a, an appreciation. And I'm always updating it. So every now and then I'll have someone look at the map and they'll say, you know, you didn't include such and such. And it's like, I'll put that in the next iteration then. And so the map is a live document. It's always being updated. So if you see something that you think should be on the map, reach out to me at editor at startupsanantonio.com and we can start that conversation. So I keep a running list. The second page is startup resources. And so that's where you have in hyperlinked text um, all of these different resources and programs in the various categories. So you can take a look and then you can click on the link and it'll take you to Students Plus Startups, for example, the Trinity University program that's helping students learn how to launch a business. Uh, it'll take you to different um, incubator and uh, accelerator programs. 
So, and I, again, I keep that updated as well. So it's all one place. Yeah. Do you have have the San Antonio chapter of 1 million cups? Is that listed on there? Yes, it is. Yeah. So there you go. So this is uh, every Wednesday. If you want to get in front of an audience and practice pitching and get some feedback on not only your pitch performance, but your idea and what you're working on um, free. I mean, so there's lots of stuff out there. All it will cost you is your time. Uh, Many of these resources uh, do not have uh, upfront dollars that you have to spend uh, to get access to them. Uh, So uh, check that ecosystem map out and those uh, links to the resources there. Um, And this does not only apply to just technology companies. So if you're uh, out there and you've started a restaurant, you've started a construction company you started anything there's many of these uh, resources um, are available uh, across the board some of them are technology specific if you're uh, going to or they're science specific or science specific yeah but um, many of them are not as well so uh, if you you know someone that's out there that's looking to grow and scale a business uh, check out the startup san antonio some of those things will be very specific like realco if you're not working on a a business-to-business software company you're not a fit for that accelerator, but uh, there's all sorts of things out there that are uh, broadly available to everybody. Right, and then uh, every Monday uh, we uh, publish the week's events that are of interest to entrepreneurs in the startup space. So that'll be science, cybersecurity, and we do have a lot of like breakfast and launch, which is the culinary accelerator program here in San Antonio. Um, We'll list those uh, events and that's thanks to our partner, uh, San Antonio Business Calendar. So they have a database of all of these different kinds of business events in San Antonio and they curate those that are interest for Startup San Antonio and that we publish that every every week usually a Sunday night or Monday morning. Yeah, well, that's a great reason to check in every week on the the website because uh, there's all sorts of uh, things out there going on that can help you get your startup fr- up and off the ground or uh, growing and scaling uh, and if you are out there working on a startup don't go it alone. Uh, the, you, you read these hero stories uh, out there that's massive selection bias. Uh, almost all of the super successful startups uh, have engaged mentors, advisors, uh, gone out there, shared their idea, participated in programs. Um, and, and there's one on the, the medical side of things here uh, in San Antonio, Novothelium. They've gone out in five or six different uh, pitch contests and, and been able to win money to, to fund and bootstrap uh, the research on on their uh, medical device and I mean so yeah get out there get in front of these things uh, each time you you iterate in front of a new audience you're going to learn something that's going to make your business better I um, mean you may even find yourself a, a customer or an advocate that will go out there and, and provide you benefits uh, beyond just that interaction at the event so we were going to tell some startup stories here uh, where we were chatting about a, a few of them at and over the break and I think I want to Talk about some that kind of hit San Antonio's unique areas. So what's going on in the, the medical device piece? We hinted you got a startup 3D printing things in their garage right now. So, okay. So this all goes back to, you know, why did I decide to do a compilation book uh, at the first year anniversary of Startup San Antonio? You know, after writing all these stories the first year, my thought was, boy, there's some great companies that I think people should be watching for 
for a variety of reasons. So what I did for the book is to go back and update the older stories and include some of the newer stories. They all come from the first year. And the 20 stories are 20 different companies that are doing some incredible things, such as this entrepreneur, clinician, scientist, <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh, Dr. Stephen Venticinque, which is Italian for 25. So Dr. Venticinque is an anesthesiologist, and he realized, you know, it's really hard to get an airway clear to get a patient breathing. When you're an anesthesiologist, you do that to deliver anesthesia before an operation. So not as stressful. But if you're in a combat situation, and he's an Air Force veteran, so he's done this, tried to put an airway in on a severely injured um, you know, military member in the back of a plane. Yeah. Uh, or if you're in an emergency situation and you don't do this all the time like an anesthesiologist does, it's apparently a very stressful, very challenging, not easy procedure to do very high stakes every minute that you delay getting a free airway that person it gets closer to closer to suffering brain damage or worse so he decided you know i'm going to tinker in my garage workshop and i'm going to teach myself computer assisted design i'm going to go out and get myself a 3d printer i'm going to teach myself how to do 3d printing and i'm going to create a prototype of a new airway device that's going to make it easier for people and he he's done it in fact he did it uh, he would spend his days practicing medicine, and then he would spend all night having the design print, take a look at the prototype, and then immediately realize, oh, no, it needs this instead, and then reiterate the design. And he realized, I'm going to bootstrap this, which is unheard of with the medical device, but because he had the expertise and he could immediately do that, you know, do, fix, do, fix loop constantly, He's come up with an air, uh, airway device, and then he went on to learn everything about entrepreneurship, and he created his company, Oliphant Medical. Yeah. So that's an incredible story that I think is um, em emblematic of that fourth industrial revolution we were talking about at the top of the hour, where you have a combination of scientific expertise, entrepreneurial expertise, computer-assisted design, 3D printing. If you didn't have 3D printing, he couldn't have done this. No, and, and the prototypes, he would have had to raise a half a million dollars or more just to expensive. make prototypes. Ex and that's what he said. He goes, you know, I, I've done all this. This has all been bootstrapped up until now because I was able to do it myself. And then after a night of it printing in my garage, I would take a look at it, play with it, and realize, oh, no, I need to fix this. And then I would do it again. So he was able to come up with a design on his own, but leveraging all of those disparate um, uh, areas of expertise. So you hear about these stories in San Antonio and you think, wow, that's, that's a great story that's going to let people know this kind of innovation is happening here. Another story. Yeah. Remember we talked about AI, right? And how everyone is just bullish on AI and what it's going to do for, for people's jobs. So here's another story about uh, a radiologist, again, practicing clinician, Dr. Lance Reinsmith. He is very passionate about big data analytics, machine learning, and AI, and realized, you know, there's a lot of work that goes into the day of a typical radiologist that's very dull, very routine, very boring, but it takes up your work for, uh, workload. And so here you have all these different scans that you have to read. A lot of them are going to be normal because it's people's annual checkups. But the you don't know that until you go into it. And meanwhile, the one that needs that immediate response because it's something that needs immediate attention, 
you you don't go, get to it until you get through your day's workload. So what better way to automate that part by trying to leverage artificial intelligence to help take the more routine tasks and make it faster for radiologists to at least do like a triage? Yeah, you can, all, you can block out all the stuff, and so it, it never... Um, has a, a false negative so you don't have you set the software to where all you train the ones, it you train it to where mm-hmm. and you set the safety threshold to where you're, you're going to be as a radiologist now maybe looking at half as many scans because half of them are certainly clean or maybe 70 percent of them and are then you go normal. back and verify it so you know and yeah. i want to be very cautious and careful because he's a very cautious intelligent careful radiologist and if he listens to this you'll say no that's not what i meant yeah <laughs> so it's it's not diagnosing it's simply doing that sorting uh, of trying to help triage out. And you can set criteria. So, for instance, uh, mammograms. Yeah. Very good uh, user case where you can say, here's what a normal mammogram should look like. Train it for that. If it deviates from what a normal mammogram should look like, then flag that so that we can then look at that first. Yes. So that gives you kind of an idea of how AI is going to change the way our jobs look. Uh, over the next 15 or so years and it's going to take the more routine mundane boring tasks and automate them so that you can then focus on the things that truly require that that you know human intelligence to discern and diagnose and go beyond what's on the scan to decide what is going on with the patient and that's happening here in san antonio ai is still very early adoption phase in healthcare. Uh, and if you look at healthcare in general in terms of um, innovation, the big challenges I always see there is, you know, you can come up with a robot or an AI or something that's innovative, but then you have to figure out a way to uh, decide who's going to pay for it because of the way our healthcare reimbursement system is set up. So that's, that's the big challenge I've seen. But it's not stopping innovators. I mean, we have um, a Geekdom member, Gate IQ where he's a Silicon Valley entrepreneur, relocated here to San Antonio, and was passionate about um, leveraging known research about the way you walk and how it reflects the state of your brain's health very early, meaning 10 to 15 years before you have the first symptoms of Alzheimer's. So that's proven research, but how do you take that into an application that makes it usable in a healthcare environment? That's what they're working on now. He has this uh, really unique collaboration that could only happen in San Antonio between UTSA, UT Health, because they have an Alzheimer's-focused Biggs Institute, so the director there and a doctor there are also working on the team, plus SWERI. They've provided some research to help with their you know, winning um, NIH grant and trying to put all that together so that you have a SaaS platform that a doctor can use on a tablet, videotape your walk during a wellness check, and within minutes have the AI algorithm come back and say, we've detected some signs, and we need to flag this so that you can then tell the you know, patient follow up and see if there's uh, you know, recommendations for early intervention. With Alzheimer's, early intervention is effective. Unfortunately, diagnosis typically doesn't happen in about 50 of the cases. 
Uh, people usually don't realize they have it until it's really in the advanced stages, and by that time, the brain damage is irreversible. Yeah, because everyone just thinks I'm I'm getting old. My my memory's getting spotty. This is just right. normal getting old, but it's not necessarily it's not. normal getting old. Yeah. So again, there's a, an example of you know that that fourth industrial revolution where you have these different disciplines coming together in a very unique way, and because San Antonio is a unique city. We have, you know, the, the data science, we have the computer vision, we have, um, you know, video capture, we have uh, Alzheimer's expertise all coming together in a very unique platform. Yeah, and this, this healthcare stuff, for, for those new to San Antonio uh, and, and seeing many of these things going on right now, we've had healthcare research here for a long while as well, just like back to in the, before the break, I, at the first half of the program, I mentioned the first personal computer was made here on the tech side of things. But the, the first artificial heart valve was also uh, invented here by a, a doctor mm-hmm. in San Antonio and, and patented. Uh, and I mean, as that's revolutionized uh, how heart surgeries were performed uh, because before that artificial heart valve, they were in there trying to repair a damaged valve, which I guess is not as consistent and not as easy, which is why um, that innovation has been super successful over, I, I guess that's meant 50 years now. So I think what you're going to see in 2019, and you know, this is just in general from the kind of reporting that I do, but also as I've been working to put together this first book uh, and talking to the 20 companies that I'm highlighting, it's to try to give a representation of the types of innovation you'll see in San Antonio. So the different categories I've got in there, um, our bioscience and healthcare innovation, that's like five of the 20 yeah. s- stories. I mean, and that reflects the percentage of, you know, one in six jobs here in San Antonio are in that uh, sector. What about folks building robots? We have robotic stories as well. And I think you're going to see some, some really big announcements coming this year from, from the companies that are profiled in the book. Uh, we also have AR and VR and how it's being used in unique and different ways. Uh, you're going to have... Um, startups with a social purpose because increasingly technology is starting to invade in, invade in a very friendly way um, civic engagement and I mean I think by now readers hopefully uh, listeners hopefully know that um, City Flag won a Smart 50 award and what is that award? It's a international organization that looks for innovative transformative projects all over the world well, San Antonio's 311 app, which is that civic engagement app that City Flag developed, that won an award. So it's one of the top 50 cities that, you know, top 50 projects that a city's done that's really been transformative. And if you ever dial 311 on your phone out there and call in and wait on hold to be able to report something, go into your iOS, Apple App Store, or your Android App Store and search for 311SA. Uh, and there's an app for that now, just like there is for almost everything else. But this, I mean, really revolutionized reporting. You can take picture of graffiti on the side of a building. It immediately goes into right. the city ticket queue. You can take a picture of a pothole in the road. You can, all of the things that you could call 311 to interact with are all available through that app. There's um, links into maybe eight or nine different city departments. And this is, is really making it uh, much better for the, the city uh, because they can 
prioritize work better as it comes in with photographs and all of this stuff is done and collected instead of um, you having to sit on on the phone and try to describe this stuff you can actually just share the digital so that, i mean the right. power of the smartphone and and what they've been able to do at city flag with that 311 sa app are, are pretty amazing right so uh then to go back to the book there's also um startups that are leveraging ai and machine learning so you'll see you'll read about completely new sectors that are being developed due to the power of ai and then finally there's a really robust section on SaaS software as a service and you know we you always tend to hear or read the phrase industry disrupting SaaS, and so i have been recently educated that that is not the case that what is happening is we saw technologists people who were avid about technology that wanted to solve problems that impacted their lives directly so they wanted faster streaming for movies that's why you have super fast internet you wanted uh, on-demand transportation, that's why you have Uber. What's happening now in the fourth industrial revolution is that now you have these capabilities, like artificial intelligence, for example, that's being leveraged in brand new industries that have been untouched by these radical innovations uh, as leveraged by technology. And so now you're coming up with like brokerage engine, for example, yeah. where they're going into, uh, you know, real estate and brokerage houses that are traditionally paper-based, paper-based, yeah. and it trying to transform that. So you'll read about some really interesting SaaS companies that are doing groundbreaking work. I mean, overall, I hope that the, uh, the book copies will help uh, get people interested and um, excited about the innovation that's going on in San Antonio. It includes a uh, welcome message from our mayor, a welcome message from Judge Wolf from the county, and it also includes like an overview forward from uh, San Antonio Economic Development Foundation President and CEO, Jenna Sacedo Herrera. So it's to help set the tone for San Antonio is a city on the rise. We're a city of innovation. We hope that you uh, realize this after you read the book. Yeah, I mean, there's lots going on here, and you talked about a ton of stuff outside of cybersecurity. Hopefully, there's at least one or two cybersecurity companies that snuck in there. Yes, they are. Okay, good. Yes, they We've are. Got, yes, but and, and this is a part of the drawback out there for our listening audience, though, is many of our cybersecurity startups here, and we've had CEOs of, of them on the program, uh, but, I mean, with some of them, uh, like we've talked about other things about how their company culture works, but because they can't really have detailed conversations about what their their product uh, and the service that they're out there delivering, um, because it's all classified. Uh, but there's a good mix of public and private sector focused cybersecurity startups here uh, in our San Antonio ecosystem. But it's it's much more broad than that, as evidenced by. Uh, everything that you can read on startupsanantonio.com right now and all the things you'll see uh, coming out in the book that Iris is publishing here for Startup Scene 2018. Is there a, a, does this book have a real like official title? So the book's title is Startup San Antonio 2019 book. And then the subtitle is Companies to Watch. And truly, it's because I would like for everyone to keep an eye on these 20 companies. It's not a best of list. It's a representation of the kinds of innovation you're going to see. I can already tell you that for the next edition for 2020, I already know that um, I need to start much earlier because there's new companies that 
uh, are achieving some really incredible things like in clean energy, yeah. uh, new energy, you know, new categories being added to the book because there's that much going on in San Antonio. So if you look on the website, there'll be a landing page to order the book. And there'll be um, a trio of launch events throughout uh, the later part of February and into March to not only celebrate our first year of operation, but to show people, here's the book, here's some of the founders that are attending from the book, please talk to them. And I hope you get excited and share the book with, with people who might be interested. Yeah. So a, a year into your own startup here now, uh, because you can't really cover yourself on your website, but we'll ask you a few questions here and put them in, into our recap. Uh, so uh, what's uh, gone better than you expected through this first year? And then uh, and then uh, on the flip side of that, what what challenge did you run into during the first year that you did not expect? Well, uh, what's been so rewarding about doing this uh, has been the the energy, the hunger to know more about what's going on in San Antonio. Uh, people read stories on, say, LinkedIn or Facebook or Twitter, and I'll get these private messages. And it's people from Boston. It's people from Silicon Valley. It's people from, I mean, from all over the country. I have readers in India, in, in Australia. It's, it's incredible. And they're excited to read these stories that make you go, who knew that that could be done? Yeah. Uh, the challenges continue to be for publishing in general are sustainability, visibility, and funding. So that none of that really was a surprise, but I'll tell you something, um, my passion overrode all that, and I saw that there was a need. And just judging from the reaction, a lot of people reaching out to me and saying, we, we would like to get introduced to a founder, we'd like to learn more about this, how did you know about this, can you connect us to people in San Antonio? It's heartening to hear that it's making a difference. And I've got some success stories privately about companies that have benefited from coverage. So that's the reward right there. Year two, we're working on all three of those challenges. Well, thank you very much for joining us, Iris. Uh, this has been CyberTalk Radio. If you just turned on right now, check out the recap and everything else on our website at www.cybertalkradio.com. <laughs>